Welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. My name is Catherine Perry, and I'm so excited to be sharing space with you today. So if you've listened to this podcast before or you're new, um, I've been kind of experimenting with the format of the podcast. And as you know, whenever you start something new, you're it's basically a process of trial and error. You know, what feels right, what feels the most natural, and I have been kind of trying to hone in on what feels the most natural in terms of this podcast, you know, what it is that I want to share, what it is I want to use my voice for, what it is that I want to talk about. And so for the, I believe a couple of episodes ago, I introduced a new format and I realized, you know, what feels the most natural for me whenever I'm speaking is simply just doing an aura reading. So a little bit of background on that. I actually used to do them for myself quite like this for years. You know, I would just channel, receive whatever would come through, kind of talk it out, and that's what I would do. And then, you know, I had the download to do a podcast for a while, and I honestly just did not have the confidence to do it up until I want to say a couple of months ago. So that's where we are now. And I've been, you know, experimenting and playing around with finding how my healing practice translates, you know, my personal healing practice translates into a podcast. And, you know, I've tried a bunch of different formats, you know, I've tried just, you know, channeling different parts or different aspects of different archetypes, which was kind of season one of the podcast, or it wasn't planned to be season one. I kind of just marked it that way. And now in season two, I'm focusing more on auras and aura healing. And it's it's a little bit, diff, uh, not difficult, but a little bit uh, different to describe because I look at auras in a very different way. So if you want to look more into how I perceive the aura, how I interpret the aura. There's so much information on my website, theimaginalspace.com. It should be in either the pod, it's in like the podcast description. Um, so yes, that is where we are now. So every episode, you know, until I change my mind or until I find that it's not natural anymore or it doesn't, but usually what I do is I just go based off of, you know, feeling what feels right, what feels most natural, graceful, allows the most love to come through. Um, And right now that's just doing an aura reading and then seeing whatever downloads, whatever information, whatever love comes through. And I am excited to share that with you. And in previous episodes, what I would do is I would kind of open with a couple of deep breaths and I would welcome in my guides, my ancestors, um, all of the love and support that I wanted to invite in, you know, from the spirit world, but I'm going to actually try something different today. So instead of doing, and it was like, it was like a long, like prayer invitation. It was like an eight minute ordeal. 
And I found that, you know, doing anything involving scripts, I don't do well with. I, even though I, I've recited that prayer so many different times and I've recited it so many different times, anything that I, that doesn't just come through, I'm like, no, you know, I, I don't like planned um, scripts very much. But this time what we're going to do is you're going to invite in whatever it is that you want to invite in. So even if you don't believe in any of that, that's totally fine. If you just kind of want to set up the space to just like take the time to share with yourself, that's basically the same in my eyes. You know, whenever I use the words God, love, source, spirit, that's also yourself, you know? So if you're just like, I just want to share this space with myself and, you know, get to know myself a little bit more, that's perfectly great. However you want to set up the space, but that's what we're always uh, that's what we're going to do first, because that's really, really important to me. All right. So if you want to, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes or do whatever you need to do. But I'm going to close my eyes and take a couple of deep breaths. So if you can't hear me. I'm breathing. I'm not sure like sometimes what this mic picks up. more. Okay. Sometimes I really need that because I talk super fast and I get so energized, but I just like need to calm down before I continue. So today, like I said, the episodes are each going to be an aura reading and we're just going to see what pops up. I have six cards and I I love doing these because I love seeing, you know, how the different cards bring out different dimensions, different aspects, different information out of the other cards, you know, because the cards on their own back when I would just, you know, journal, I could journal about four hours. I think there was one time I journaled for like five and a half or six hours, like audio journaling, kind of like this. I guess I really like the sound of my own voice. That's a joke. I don't actually. Um, I've just gotten so used to it, I guess. But yeah, I talked for like five and a half hours that day about one card, uh, just because the information was just pouring through. And I won't subject you to that. I try and keep it at like an hour. But um, yes, I have six cards in front of me and Let's see, you know, where our guides take us today. So the kind of focal point, and like I'm always playing around with different ways to interpret the aura, but the focal point today, what's jumping out at me is the mirror. And the mirror is, I feel like I'm going to say this every time. Every time I look at an archetype, I'm like, that's so special to me. And it's like, oh my God, are, are they all special? And the answer is yes. Okay, they're just... They're special because like whenever I do an aura reading, it's the medicine that you need to receive. So of course it jumps out at you. You know, of course it feels special to you. You know, these six cards, there are 78 cards in the deck. They came out together. So every time I look at, you know, certain ones in the aura, I'm like, oh my God, that's so special. And then it's like, well, that's what needed to come through, you know, for today. So of course that's special. Um, But I would say that I think the mirror feels especially special because that was one of the first archetypes I was introduced to 
but I didn't really know that that's what was happening. So let me explain. When I first started, you know, looking at, um, how do you say this? Kind of like looking at more mystical perspectives. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, when I started looking at more mystical perspectives, I felt something special whenever I heard anything along the lines of, you know, everyone, everything is a divine mirror for you. That was kind of my gateway into this entire world was this archetype. So that's why, you know, they all have like a special place in my heart, but this one was, you know, around from the very beginning. And that's what it means to me to this day. You know, everyone that you, every person, by the way, this is just not, this is not just people. Okay. This is every single life form. So this is every person, plant, animal, um, spirit, ancestor, you know, and again, you know, these archetypes are only the expressions and the ways in which you can interact with these archetypes are only limited by what you are open to. So if you're like, okay, humans are mirrors. I get that. I'm a human. And that's where you want to stop. That's great. That's totally fine. And if you're really, really connected to nature and you're like, I'm really, really connected to plants, animals, landscapes, places, I'm really connected to places. And those are all mirrors for me. That's great. And if you're, but if you're like, you know what, that's my threshold. That's literally all I can look at. That's all I can understand. That's totally fine. And if you're, I'm all, I'm just so curious and I love, you know, taking a look into the unknown and what other people think is totally impossible. So I also believe that, you know, all spirit guides, animal allies, plant allies, ancestors, spirit babies, like they're all also mirrors for you. And you know what? If I learned about something tomorrow that I just had no idea about and I was like, huh, that seems like a little bit that's like outside of my box. I just welcome it in, you know, because that's just like that's like what I like to do. I like to stretch my spirit and soul as far as possible into the impossible, into the unknown, bring it back and make it possible in my reality. But as for the mirror, whatever, yeah, wherever your threshold is, that's good for now. And like, if you change it, that's great. You know, we're allowed to change our perspective at any moment in any given time. The mirror and, ooh, like who, where do I jump from here? Um, But the mirror was a very, very important understanding for me because that I think it was the mirror is not an initiation card, but there is an initiation card right next to it. And that is Anima Mundi. Hope I said that right. Uh, But basically that is the soul of the world. So if you've ever seen a tarot deck before, it's kind of like the world card. Okay, it's the last. It's one of the, in this deck, in the archetypes deck, it's one of the initiation cards. There are, I believe, eight initiation cards. You think I should know that by now, but I'm never like counting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's like 20 people cards. No, 30 people cards. You don't need to know all that. But there, yeah, there's eight. There's very few um, initiation cards. And it's like the initiation card of the initiation card. Or it's kind of like, um, like in a deck of cards, like the ultimate trump card, basically. Um, 
I don't play a lot of card games, but think of it kind of like the ace because I feel like the ace is like a very, very special card. Okay. Yeah, that definitely reveals, you know, how often I play card games. Um, but that's what Anima Mundi is. It's a big, it's a very, very big energy. It is the soul of the entire world. And the the phrase that actually did when I originally read this book. Uh, I read the guidebook a long, long time ago. Well, I guess not that long ago. The deck came out a year ago, um, about a year ago in eight days. Um, but the one thing that when I first flipped through it that stuck out to me about this card was accept all, reject none. And I was actually looking for certain cards. I was like doing it, looking at, you know, going on a trip down memory lane and like kind of looking at like the uh, the guidebook in terms of like how Kim describes the cards and my definitions are so far away from, you know, what that what all of those are, except for this one. And I think that this phrase, accept all, reject none, stuck with me because this is such a big card. You know, it's kind of it's very difficult to distill into words, you know, Again, it it translates into the soul of the world. You know, it's it's got that vibe of we're all connected. You know, we are all within one another. Um, and it's something that your heart can understand, but your mind can barely comprehend. Um, so it's it's definitely one of those where I think for all of the initiation cards, no words can do it justice, but kind of keeping a couple of key words in mind wherever you go helps you to understand the initiations. But in terms of Anima Mundi and the mirror, that's a really, I really love that combination here because what it invites you to do is see the soul of the world within yourself and within everybody else, everything else, you know, depending on, again, you know what I was saying earlier with the mirror, depending on how far you want to go with that. So uh, within the example of people, you know, the application of this would be I'm sharing space with a friend. You know, I understand her or him or whatever. Uh, I, I was thinking, I oh, that's interesting. I guess a specific person came to mind there um, in that example. That is interesting. You know what I you know what I think it is when I I think that specific person kind of flashed into my mind because our even though we're having, you know, different third dimensional experiences right now, it's like we're experiencing kind of the same energy again. It's like same energy, different manifestations. It's like we're going on the same energetic journey, even though it looks very different. So that's probably why she popped into my mind. That's like a good that's actually a perfect example of how even though, you know, we have very, very different backgrounds, very, very different histories, um, different families, uh, we do share friends. Um, So that is one thing we have in common, different but different interests. We uh, if you were to put us side by side and this is, you know, I think why the mirror is so important. If you were to put us side by side, we have almost nothing in common like basically nothing in common. And that's not um that's not uncommon for me because I enjoy creating friendships with people that are really different from me. 
I already spend enough time with me. I get, you know, I spend 24 7, 365, you know, uh, days with myself. So I like to, um, I like to have friends that are different. You know, I, I, I get enough of me by the end of the day. Um, but yeah, even though on the surface level, we are very, very different and we've had completely different, I mean, besides, I guess the one thing we have in common, but we have two totally different experiences of, and I guess this doesn't matter too, too much. Um, we're both from the same hometown. So that's the extent of our similarity. Our personalities are also totally different. Um, but that's like the beauty of the archetypes because the, what the archetypes do, especially with the mirror is they kind of show me, Hmm. Okay. So if I'm like, I'm thinking of her right now and I, it's just kind of like, I know better, you know, in the back of my mind. So I, my ego is saying, uh, we are nothing alike. We have nothing in common, but if I, hold cards and I read the aura of either our relationship or if she uh, agreed to let us, you know, do an aura reading together, pretty sure I would see, you know, some of my key archetypes in that aura just because I can just, I can tell, you know, I can tell that she's like a powerful mirror for me at this time. Um, or for instance, I did do an aura reading for my relationship with another person and I was just curious because I had like a sense about them. I didn't really, I don't really know them really, really well. Um, but I was like doing an experiment. I was like, hmm, this person keeps popping into my life. And I wonder why, because that person is like truly seems to be the opposite of me in every single way. But I think it would be interesting to look at like the aura of our relationship and of course, I think uh, I usually read the aura with about six to eight cards, sometimes 10 or 12, depending on like where I'm going or just like what I'm feeling that day, maximum 12. And usually 12 doesn't happen that often. But um, this time I did it with six. And I think it was like four out of the six cards were like really, really key archetypes for me. And I was like, boom. Of course, of course, this person that I thought I was so far away from had nothing in common with because our third dimensional stories, our third dimensional manifestations forms, they are literally nothing alike. Like if you put, again, two of us in like a lineup, you would be like, they have no connection whatsoever. Um, the archetypes say otherwise. And so that is like the beauty of the archetypes with respect to the mirror because they point out, you know, how we are connected on an energetic, on an archetypal level when we think that there is no connection whatsoever. And that really ties into the message of Anima Mundi in, you know what? Yeah, I would say what's coming in my mind right now is finding a tool. So the mirror, there are like four categories of the deck. There's like People, places, tools, and initiations, and the mirror is a tool. So what's coming through right now is finding some sort of tool that acts as kind of like a bridge or kind of like, yeah, kind of like a mystical energetic bridge so you can understand, you know, how it is that you are connected to other people is so important. So for me, 
Um, it's looking at auras with the tool of archetypes, you know, to build those bridges. Um, this deck is not for everybody. You know, I've experimented with so many different kinds of what I would call mirrors or bridges. Um, for instance, astrology, that was like huge for me for a while. I really, really loved it. And then it just didn't speak to me anymore. So I was like, all right, time to move on. Um, human design is a popular one. I don't, that one never really spoke to me. I don't really understand that one. I feel like I say that like once an episode, like human design. Um, no. Okay. It's a beautiful language and a very beautiful mirror, you know, for people who feel called to it. But I think that example comes through for me a lot because it's a reminder that, you know, while I loved exploring all of these tools at one point, some of them are just really not for you and it's okay to let that go. Um, but some of them are, you know, I said astrology. Um, let's see. That was like, that was like a big player. Oh, tarot, of course, which is, you know, a little bit closer to this. You know, I think I love, um, I mean, all of them, I love all languages that have like kind of like archetypes, you know, and that's kind of what I was looking for when I was playing around with, you know, different tools, you know, to kind of construct this energetic mirror, you know, astrology has a ton of different archetypes. You know, you could view the planets as archetypes, the signs, the houses, etc. Um, tarot, that's also like easier if you wanted to look at the cards as archetypes and even human design too. It's just that those, again, those archetypes didn't speak to me and that's like totally fine. And then, you know, this was all before about a year ago when a deck of archetypes. So basically everything that I was looking for came out and I was like, done. I was like, thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for, you know, that divine inspiration. This is absolutely perfect. I, I literally, felt, when I saw it, I was like, this deck was made for me. Um, but they're, they're not, it doesn't just have to be mystical tools. Um, it could be anything, honestly. Anything that allows you to kind of set up the world as a space for you to see everybody as your sacred mirror, that's all that you need. And so that's where the phrase for anima mundi, accept all, reject none. You know you have that sacred mirror when you're looking at everybody and you're not filled with like rejection or judgment. Like that's how you know it works. Okay. If you want to talk about, I feel like there's not much like tangible there's not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of like tangible steps sometimes, you know, in these mystical spaces. Um, but here's, that is one of them. You know, if you are, it's a, it's a sign, you know, that that tool is working for you. If it truly allows you to feel that love and acceptance, which is the energy of anima mundi. So that's what I love a lot about the mirror and the mirror, again, it taught me a lot about, you know, I think the mirror, as I said, it was very, very key when I was just starting out, when I was really just starting to learn about myself. The mirror is what inspired me to look at these tools in the first place and to kind of find my tool, you know. And I think also, ooh, yeah, the mirror goes really well with Anima Mundi in general because it dissolves that separation. They both dissolve separation. So uh, for example, if you were like go to your bathroom right now or wherever you have a mirror, I only have one in my bathroom. But yeah, so if uh, 
usually there's a mirror in the bathroom. If you were to go to your bathroom right now and look in the mirror, you wouldn't see whatever reflection in there as separate from you. Like it kind of appears to be separate, but you know that that's you, you know, looking at you in the mirror. So these two cards have a very similar message of no separation and dissolving, you know, the barriers of, of separation. So, you know, obviously when you look in the mirror, you see someone that looks exactly like you. So has like the same third dimensional manifestation of you. And that's why you're like, oh, we're the same. But if you look at like, if I were to go outside for me and look at that tree, it's a lot easier for the ego to go like, mm, that's not me. And so that's where I think these mystical tools can, you know, come in handy is they build that bridge, you know, kind of beyond the ego, beyond the mind. So that way you can kind of perceive in your own way, you know, that connection. So for me, I really feel that connection. I can, you know, know that connection. You know, sometimes I can see it um, or I can hear it, you know, and you can find your own way of doing that. But whatever it is that kind of allows you to go beyond that third dimensional threshold and go and dissolve that separation, that is the mirror and anima mundi at play. So that, oh, that's like a really, really nice way to start. All right. So we also have, we have four other cards here. I'm going to jump over to the empty room for a second because I think the empty room is... I say I think a lot and it's really just me just like, I don't even know. But all right. So the empty room, the I don't think I know. The empty room is also really interesting for the mirror because a lot they're OK. I got a lot of downloads about the empty room. Surprise, surprise. During um, the height of quarantine. Because what the empty room is, is. It's the it's the experience of really, really sitting with yourself with no distractions and kind of, you know, it. this card is like it's uncomfortable for me. I don't know if it's uncomfortable for everybody, but it is one of those cards in the deck that does have like a more of an uncomfortable story. So the empty room is like. It, OK, yeah, just imagine um, I haven't done this for a really, really long time, but imagine actually just sitting in an empty room and maybe you've done this. Maybe you're one of those people that really loves like silent lead retreats or yeah, silent retreats. I was like silent lead. Uh, I was thinking of a specific silent self-led retreat when I said that I skipped over a word. Yeah. If you're like the kind of person that really loves silent retreats and, you know, or you know, doing anything where it involves you or like an ashram or something like that, where you're just sitting with yourself totally silent for a majority of the time, that is this energy. And it, you're, no distractions, no people, no nothing, you know, that is like, and if you've never done that before, just kind of imagine, you know, what that would be like to be in a room, nobody there. I mean, you have everything you need, you know, you have food, water, whatever, but nothing extra, you know, you have everything to keep you alive, but that's it. You know, no, again, not talking to people, you know, you know, your phone, you can't go on like Instagram or whatever it is, you know, that you do in your spare time. No Netflix, no nothing, nothing like that. Um, 
you know, and for me, the the archetype came up a lot in this archetype came up in a lot in my aura during quarantine. And my favorite download to date that has come through about this card is it's learning, you know, about who you are in the void, which ties really, really well into the mirror and anima mundi. How? Well, the more, the more you can distill yourself down and like kind of understand that you are not all of these like third dimensional descriptions, the more the mirror and anima mundi make sense. And the, it, the easier it is to dissolve that separation. So um, if you were like me, um, like 10 years ago, if you asked me who I was, I would be like, okay, my name is Katy Perry. Um, I am a Jamaican American from Connecticut. Um, well, 10 years ago, I run track and field. I play golf. I row. Um, what else would I say? Probably say something like dumb, like I'm really good at math. I don't know. Like how do people like describe themselves anymore? I, I don't even say that stuff. So it's so weird to say, um, how else would I describe myself? I don't know. I feel like that's like good enough for now. You get the gist. Okay. But something like that, you would say like your name, you know, like what you are, where you're from, you know, what it is that you like doing. If somebody asked you, you know, who you are and the interesting part about the empty room is, okay. So there is this passage from, um, and you can read the full passage. It's on my website. It's on the page loves beginning. Um, because this is my, this is one of my favorite meditations I read, but it was a meditation about how, um, forms are in separate. They don't exist without each other. So, for example, black doesn't exist without white, you know, male doesn't exist without female, um, you know, just like or masculine doesn't exist without feminine, you know, opposites, are uh, they create one another, you know, you know, empty doesn't exist without full. You get the idea. So what's interesting about the empty room is it's it's an interesting meditation to just imagine, you know, who are you without all of that contrast? So. For example, if I were to go back to that example, I would have given like 10 years ago. And this is what the meditation asks you. It would say, you know, is your name really Catherine? If there are no other names in the world. No. Um, are you, I identify as female. So are you really female if you're in a void? Because if, how can you describe yourself as female if there's no, male to contrast that. Do you see what I mean? It'll probably make more sense if you read it. Um, or how could I say that I love math if like there's nothing to kind of create math, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's very interesting to think about, but the empty room, you know, pondering who you are in the void kind of takes all of that away. You know, so if I'm sitting in an empty room and, you know, imagine, okay, there's nobody else on earth. Who am I? You know, so again, there is no, I think, um, female and male, masculine, feminine energy. That's like, that's one of my favorite examples. Um, and I talk about that a lot. But for example, if there was uh, no male, no gender fluid, 
no other, you know, nothing else on the gender spectrum. If the gender spectrum didn't exist, by contrast, if everybody else, you know, identifying however it is that they wanted to identify, then where do I land? Make Making any sense? Hopefully it does. Um, but the point of that meditation is to understand that we all create one another because we all provide that contrast for one another. Um, so there would be, so I'm like a person of color. So there would be in this void, if there's only me, am I really a person of color? Because there's no other people to provide that contrast for that identifying factor. So the more and more we can kind of not necessarily, and this is where the balance comes in. Actually, this is like something I've always wanted to go deeper into. Um, these third dimensional labels, you know, there, I think there's like an issue a little bit within the mystical spiritual community. And I also do write about this on my website a lot about saying like labels aren't real. Uh, they don't exist. And they just like, they don't matter, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're all just energy. Okay. And so in my practice, it's really, really important to acknowledge both. And I also talk about this more because, again, everything on every level creates one another. So the what's interesting is that the kind of mystical, spiritual, energetic world everybody, you know, loves so much within this community and they just want to like kind of disregard the material altogether um, yeah, I say that the spiritual material, the mystical and the material, those create one another too. So there is no, like, so all those people that are like, um, yeah, I just like, I don't want anything to do with the material world. I don't want anything to do with your material labels. You know, none of this is important, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm like, well, for me in my practice, the, you don't have your mystical world without the material world either. Okay. So it's not about ignoring one or the other. It's kind of just understanding that they both exist within you equally. They both exist in this world equally and understanding how you and your practice, how you and your daily life can leverage the love in both of them and leverage the power in both of them. So I was given this third dimensional form. I was, you know, given a voice in this third dimensional form. You know, what can I do with that? And it's simultaneous. It's like, what can I do with that? And if you can simultaneously understand that, you know, whatever third dimensional descriptors, stories, identities, labels you have, if you can allow them to empower you instead of limit you, you're all good to go. You know, that's the only that's the only thing, you know, well, that's one of the important things um, I would say about that. So in this example, those labels would be limiting you if you kind of don't understand their place and you don't understand that, you know, it's like just for me, the only issue arises when you try to acknowledge one, but you don't acknowledge the other. And I was like not expecting it to go here today, but this is like really, really important. Um, 
it's really, really important to acknowledge both. And that's kind of where the mirror and Anima Mundi come back in. Because while, you know, you can, again, it's important to leverage the power of your labels, of the way that you want to describe yourself and the way that you want to present yourself. The only way I see that, you know, not serving you or everybody else is allowing that to separate you. So that's why I think having an understanding, at least for me, having an understanding of the mystical energetic world as well as the third dimensional material world, having an understanding of both is very, very, very important because they don't exist without one another. And I've seen people on both sides of the spectrum. I've seen people that are just like, I want nothing to do with that mumbo jumbo, you know, that people talk about. Um. And by the way, it's not necessarily, again, the mystical within all of us, the mystery within all of us can be translated in infinite different ways. So you can do, like, you don't have to be as far out as me or like anybody else out there. You know, Anima Mundi, that energy is just understanding that, you know, on some level, we are all connected and that's it. On some level, it doesn't matter, you know, what it is. It really doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter, you know, what that looks like to you. But having, I do believe that having a love for, you know, life and, you know, the people, the animals, the plants on this planet, that's really, really important. And so however you want to do that is up to you. And the mirror and Anima Mundi is especially powerful because, again, it ends the... And, again, this is just, like, another step if you want to go there, but it ends the separation as looking at, in terms of, you know, looking at a person as, like, other. Because I feel like that just amplifies, you know, the love there is when you can look at something else and be like, we are the same. You know? So, again, the empty room, in terms of the... The empty room really makes, you know, finding, you know, your third dimensional manifestation of the mirror, that tool, that makes it a lot easier. Sitting in the empty room away from like all of those distractions and like understanding, I would say understanding, you know, the soul of the world within you and you as a, it like, if you can find the balance between understanding the soul of the world within you and you as a third dimensional human being, perfect. That's it. Whoever you need to arrive at that understanding is totally fine. But what am I talking about? Fine. It's great. Like, however you arrive at that understanding is great. And, you know, I can only present my understanding. But all I can say about that is having it is very, very important. And so honestly... You know, the more and more that I'm like receiving information about this, you know, one of the reasons that, again, as long as like the labels are empowering you, and in this case, I'm like feeling it, you know, the labels are important because, you know, when I sit here and I'm like, I'm Jamaican American, you know, I, it's like the third dimensional labels highlight how I need everybody else and how I don't exist with everybody else. That's the key. Ooh, I love that. So for instance, um, like male, female, the gender spectrum. I identify as female. I have friends that identify as male. I have transgender friends. I have gender fluid friends, fr 
friends that, you know, again, have they feel and know the way that they want to present themselves and all of those ways are equally beautiful. And so when I think about all those people with all of those labels, I don't think of, you know, oh, well, my male friends, I'm totally opposite from them. You know, for me now, you know, the more that's coming through, I'm like, wow, you know, male creates female, female creates male, um, gender, the gender binary creates the non-gender binary, like it all creates one another. Hopefully I used all of those terms uh, correctly. Um, but that's like, that's one way in which, you know, we can use those third dimensional labels in order to create more connections by understanding that the person that is opposite of me creates me too. So there's a couple of levels here, you know, to the empty room. It's kind of dissolving those labels and understanding the love within us. And then, you know, once you leave the empty room, bringing them back and understanding how those labels within this third dimensional plane, they help us to understand that we all create one another, you know, from opposites. And again, there's tons and tons and tons about that on my website. I feel like I've explained it so many times that this should be a lot smoother. But if you want a deeper understanding, definitely go um, read the passage in Love's Beginning because that articulates it really, really well. And also keep in mind that that is, um, that was originally written as a meditation. So there's this book of meditations that I absolutely love, absolutely adore. And some of the meditations, you ponder them for a while, and then um, it's just like a knowing, you know, it's just like your world changes. And that's what this was for me. So I pondered this, I think it was like for, I mean, this one, the theory of the book is that um, you can, you spend one of those, there's like 112 or something like that. You spend time with you know, one meditation at a time. And if it's for you, you close the book and spend your life with that meditation, which I think is very beautiful. And if the meditation is for you, it'll come. And if it's not, it's not. But there's one meditation in there that is meant for you. And so that meditation was for me. Thank goodness. One day I was just like looking through the titles of the meditations and I was like, I want to explore this one because it's towards the end of the book, you know? So if I were just like going through... Um, yeah, it, it's like meditation 100 and something. I think it's 105 or something. I'm not entirely sure anymore. That might be a different one that I really liked. But yeah, if I went in a linear fashion, I just read the book from start to end. I don't even know that I would have found it. Um, but yeah, just keep in mind that if it, that doesn't make sense to you right off the bat, um, the meditation is on my website. So you can sit with it as long as you like. And if it makes no sense to you, it might not be meant to make sense to you. Um, but again, in general, that's, see, and that's like a beautiful example. You know, everything I said to you, that is my way of understanding, you know, within the third dimensional plane and the, with the labels, and then, you know, within the energetic plane, Oh, yeah, let's actually let's talk about that. So there's like three layers to this. So I'm looking at oh, I'm like looking at them. So anima mundi, the soul of the world, that's like one layer. That's the love 
you know, that none of us can honestly quite put into words besides describing it as, you know, love, God, source, spirit. And then you can kind of, or your higher self or like uh, the void or um, unmanifested, all of those words, being, witness, that's that plane of anima mundi. And then, oh, that is interesting. Hmm. I read about that later. Um, yeah, so we have that plane and then we have in the middle kind of like a bridge. Okay. So, and that's the mirror. That's your tool. That's like your energetic tool if you want one, you know, because, you know, some people can just, some people are very, very lucky. You know, they can kind of, I mean, I don't really know how they do it, but they can kind of just jump from those third dimensional forms into anima mundi without a tool. You know, they can kind of just understand the love that is present everywhere and they don't need a tool to do it, okay? I am not like that. I needed a tool, okay? And, you know, now less so, you know, I love, again, the archetypes are my mirror tool. I don't need them all the time, you know? At the end of the day, all of these tools are just that. They're tools and their stories and their languages. Okay, so these cards within themselves are not like magic or anything. They're technically just images printed on, you know, some very thick, nice paper. You know, and that's what the cards are. You know, your interpretation, your love brings magic to these tools. You know, my intention, my love brings magic to the cards. And that's why, you know, I have a relationship with them. I can learn from them. Um, It would be the same with any tool. You know, so just understand that. But yeah, we have three very interesting layers here, which is, you know, that source, love, God layer. And then we have the mirror layer, which is kind of like, it's the tool, it's the energetic bridge. And then we have the third dimensional layer. And so going from the third dimensional layer for a lot of people, including myself, when I was just starting out from the third dimensional perspective, having something having a tool that provided that energetic mirror provided a bridge into the energy of anima mundi and into the bridge or my bad into the energy of, you know, love source, divine love, um, whatever, however it is that you want to describe it. That was my bridge. And so the bridge is actually an archetype that's like not in here or not in this, uh, not in this spread currently. Um, that's very beautiful. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to call this one, but if there was like one call to action that like seems to be very important, it's like find your tool, you know? So for me, again, uh, the archetypes in the aura, understanding the aura, you know, with the language, within the language of the archetypes, that's my tool. So what's yours? And so we have three more cards. Ooh, all right. Um, Yeah, okay, so we have three more cards here. So one of the cards, one of the last three cards we have, uh, we're moving to the storm. And so the storm, again, if you've ever had a tarot deck, it's kind of like the tower card. But if not, for me, this is like the great revolution card. Like the, uh, we're... Really, really shaking things up. So anytime I see that card within a spread, I'm like, we need to 
we need to change something. We need to revolutionize something. And honestly, for me, I don't think this card needs such a huge explanation. It kind of just adds on that layer. Um, For me, I think the storm's energy naturally came through when I was talking a little bit about shifting how we use third dimensional labels. Because again, I think historically, you know, we've been using every single label to separate ourselves. And that's why I was just like, for a hot minute, I was not about labels whatsoever. I was like, I don't want anybody to describe me as anything. I mean, they can if they want to, but I was like, I'm not going to describe myself as anything. You know, that was like a, that was something I was thinking about a lot. I want to say within the past couple of years, definitely within the past couple of years, you know, I was like, I don't want to sign up for, you know, certain labels because people put on, you know, people project, people have their own definitions of specific labels. And I don't want to sign up, you know, for a whole host of, you know, judgments and, you know, whatever people attach to a word, that's like kind of what you're signing up for because labels even though they seem third dimensional, they are multidimensional in nature in that if I say um, like female, that means something totally different to me than it could to somebody else. And, you know, or yeah, just like, or just, you know, good example is like gender roles in general. So um, if I use the word female, some people have, you know, very different opinions about you know, how that fits into our world, how that fits into our society. So for me, like, that's like a beautiful example of how I was like, you know, I am female identifying, but that was like just a good example of how, you know, so many people attach so many different definitions to one word. I was like, I don't want to sign up for like all of this craziness and sign up for, you know, everybody else's definitions that I did not agree to because I use this word, you know, And but that's, you know, that's what I was thinking about a while ago. But now with the energy of the storm being in this aura. You know, I think it's time to stop demonizing labels and, you know, saying that, you know, labels are awful. Labels are kind of like ruining the world and finding more ways to use them in empowering ways. You know, I think, again, there's just a balance there. You know what I mean? You know, for me certain labels don't help me, you know, there are some that do. And then there are just some that don't, you know? So for me, um, what's like a good example of that? Um, I would say like for sexuality labels has never helped me, never, never helped me. Right. Um, that's always just confused me, you know, even from when I was like a teenager, you know, trying to find like a, Oh, that's actually good found that connection. I was like, hmm, we have two more cards in here and I'm not entirely sure where they fit in, but then I always, like, it always just comes through. My, yeah, my mind is always like, I don't know where you come into play and then it always just does when I put my mind aside. Um, so yeah, with that, we have the animal. So how does, okay, so the animal is the archetype of being connected to nature and being, you know, comfortable in your body. That's, and it's reminding ourselves that we are nature. That's that archetype. And that one, I'm like, 
Um, for me, being grounded is one of the more difficult things for me to do. And I'm always, I'm always, you know, looking for new ways, you know, be as grounded as possible. Um, so that's why this card, whenever I see it, I'm like, ah, there you are. Um, but I'm always learning from it because it's just, it's not one of the cards that comes very, very, or not one of the archetypes that comes very, very easily to me. Um, but this card is also, okay. So for me right now, what's coming through about this card specifically in terms of, you know, understanding that we are nature is understanding how, again, plus the storm, plus everything that I was talking about earlier, this card really helps us to understand, you know, our place in terms of not being so separated from all forms of life. So I would say the more, the more you feel connected to nature, just like the more that, again, that wall, that wall of separation, those beliefs of separation dissolves. Um, there is so much separation promoted, you know, between us and nature, you know, right now, like, for example, I'm in a house, you know, I'm in like a building that physically separates me from the outside, you know? So I think one of the, I, I taught, I don't know if I actually did that necessarily. I did talk a lot about mirrors and I did, you know, talk a lot about people. Um, I think the example I gave with the with mirrors has been mostly, you know, human centered. And this card, the animal is pointing. It's kind of like, don't forget about literally the rest of all life, you know? So the more we can make it a part of our practice, and I know it sounds like so cheesy and like so played out, but I have found that the more that I do feel connected to nature, that separate, I mean, it's one thing to like, for example, um, oh, actually, yeah, beautiful example. So I originally, you know, started using archetypes, tarot cards, astrology. And this is why I think the archetypes make a little bit more, they help me a lot more in this area. So like astrology, oh yeah, let's talk about this. Okay. So the, all of the practices I've seen with astrology, those are people-based. Have you noticed that? So, okay, yeah, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Um, I think it's all important. I think it's very, very important that we all develop our own healing practices, right? And at the end of the day, like, uh, I've been using these examples, but like astrology, archetypes, tarot, because I can't like talk about examples that I don't know too, too much about. Um, just because that's just like not helpful because I don't know, I wouldn't know what I was talking about. But this is very important. So all of these are tools at the end of the day. So I think it's so good and it's so fun to, you know, learn about astrology, learn about the archetypes, learn about tarot, or literally whatever else that it is that you want to do. However, learning, there was a point, okay, so good example. There was a point for me where learning for the sake of learning just wasn't working anymore. You know, I was like, what do I want to do with this? You know, 
not like what's the point, but yeah, like what's the point? And so what's coming through for me right now with regards to the animal and everything that we've been talking about in the storm and you know, making some swift changes is think about all of the healing practices, you know, that you know and how many of them are inclusive of all forms of life. I'm actually asking you to think. A lot of them are human-centered. And so for me, it's important to acknowledge all forms of life. So that's why, you know, back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I mean like a couple of weeks ago, when I would open with a prayer, I would, you know, acknowledge all of my you know, yeah, my spear guides, my ancestors, you know, spear babies, but also, you know, my plant and animal allies, you know, they would be included too. And, you know, different, I think, you know, the sun and the moon were somewhere in there, you know, nature, you know, nature and nature spirits. And what's funny to me now that I'm just like thinking about it, I'm like, why is everything, everything is just so human centered. I was going to say, why is that? I mean, I get why, because we think we are the center of the universe. But what I love, and that's what I was going to get to. So for me, again, a part of my healing practice is not just focusing on seeing humans. Okay, we get enough attention. And there's so much, there's so much other, so many other forms of intelligence out there that aren't just about us. And I think that taking us outside of the center is a very, very important part. So when I'm, you know, what's coming to mind now is when I think about, there are like three healing practices, um, healers that I, that are out there that I deeply, deeply admire. And what I admire about them is humans are not at the center of their practice. Not always, you know, I mean, yeah, their clients are human, um, yeah, there's not dogs aren't yet, you know, on the computer, you know, paying for healing sessions or anything like that. Um, but it's they invite the other spirits, you know, plants, crystals, you know, parts of the earth to be a part of their healing practice. And that's what's so, so beautiful. And I mean, when I think about it, it could be because all of their all three of their practices are rooted in shamanism. And, you know, I'm not a shaman, so I don't know too, too much about that or anything like that. Shamanism has always inspired me. Um, and my three greatest healers all have shamanism in common. But here's the thing, you know, we shouldn't, while shamanism is a beautiful, beautiful, you know, third dimensional practice, um, which by the way, should be taken very, very seriously. Like don't be out here just like calling yourself a shaman when you've done ayahuasca or whatever. Um, but you shouldn't have to be, you know, a shaman to, you don't have to be a shaman to connect with nature and to bring nature into your healing practice. So I feel like, I feel like there's so many opportunities in so many different languages for you to bring nature into your practice. Like astrology is one of them. Hello, like the planets and, you know, the sun and the moon, that's all part of nature. You know, that's one way to invite nature in very, I mean, that's like a very spacey, you know, airy aspect of nature, but nature nonetheless, you know, and 
we are nature. You know, that is, that's like a part of the animal. That's like a part of the animal archetype. However, I think we can do more, you know? I think we can do more to bring different manifestations, different forms of nature into our healing practice. And that, again, going back to the empty room, the mirror, anima mundi, dissolves that separation, you know? So the animal is coming through in this aura to remind us, you know, whatever tool we pick with the mirror, I feel like it's just saying like, whatever it is that you do, whatever, you know, healing practice that you have, don't forget, you know, don't forget what it is that you were really made of. Don't forget that you are connected to nature. And I feel like that really elevates your healing practice. So again, astrology is, I feel like is inherently connected to nature However, I haven't seen, you know, I feel like there are just so many other ways in which you can invite in nature into those practices. And I have, I feel like they're just still very, very human-centered, you know, or human design. I mean, I guess, you know, what that, that gets maybe a hall pass because it's literally called human design. So it's like that is literally the intention of the entire practice. Um, but I feel like with things like tarot or the uh, anything card-based. For me, okay, the reason why I love the cards is they, they're just so free, you know? These cards have taught me so much about, you know, my guides of all forms. Like I said, plants, animals, minerals, like, and also spirits and then ancestors. So all forms, you know, no matter how they showed up in life, you know, these archetypes have really, really helped me. So I guess that's just like a, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. You know, whatever it is that you choose or whatever tool chooses you, number one, see if it can really connect you to the nature, you know, within you. And then if you can make nature a part of your practice and, you know, how can you do that? Again, it doesn't have to be like, I know some people aren't like, again, I'm not really grounded. Not really. You know, I love, you know, hiking and being in the forest. You know, that's my favorite form of nature is the forest, is the jungle. Um, It doesn't have to be like that, though. You know, even acknowledging, I think, you know, like, again, I'm using the astrology example because I do actually believe that nature um, is inherently woven into astrology because it's based on the planets. So somehow finding a way or, you know, paying attention to the sun and the moon and the body, you know, that's all within astrology too. And so some people do a really, really beautiful job of incorporating that aspect of astrology into their practice. And it, for me, it's using whatever you can within, you know, that mirror within your healing practice to remind yourself that you are nature, whatever that is, that's great. You know, I think it's just time that we acknowledge that. And honestly, that in terms of, you know, the animal, you know, remembering that your nature, being comfortable in your body, I feel like that just allows you to connect to your body and, and your humanness and your, you know, the nature within you in a different way. You know, it's like, it's a very, again, I said at the beginning of this, not very, very, I'm not like the most grounded person I know. 
Uh, maybe a little bit more than some other people I know, but yeah, definitely n- not winning that race by any means necessary. Um, but I think this dimension is very, again, is very, very important. Whatever you can use, you know, within your practice to remind yourself of the nature in you, that, again, that just dissolves the separation between you and this this earth and this world. You know, so whatever it is that you can do, add that. And I think that's going to be, that's just like a, that's just like a game changer for me. And also, again, not necessarily just understanding the nature within you. The understanding the nature within you, I do believe, opens up a bridge and opens up a door, an opportunity to understand nature in a different way. And understanding understanding nature in your way and how you are connected to nature, how you get grounded. That's that's huh, that's an exploration I'm gonna go on, you know, go a little bit deeper after this. You know, because there are certain aspects of nature I feel really connected to. And then um I also know, you know, there are ways that I could do more, you know, to be more grounded. And again. Finding the way, so this is what I'm going to say, finding the way that nature integrates in your practice helps you, or what I'm receiving, because this is, honestly, this is like the medicine that I need, Um, and that's usually what comes through anyways, you know, whatever my mind needs to hear, but yeah, no, um, finding the ways in which you can connect yourself and, you know, connect your healing practice to nature helps you to just like be more comfortable in your own skin. And you know what? I think that's all something, that's something that we can all use more of. It's just being even more comfortable in your own skin. Even if you're like the most comfortable of comfortable, there's always, you know, room, you know, to go deeper. All right. So we've talked about the empty room, the mirror, anima mundi, the storm, which brings that revolutionary energy, the animal, And now we have Kairos and Kairos is mythic time. I'm also going to do another podcast episode, I think, where Kairos is kind of like the focal point a little bit of that aura because Kairos, okay, so Kairos is like Anima Mundi in that it is an initiation. So I think it's, um, it's like number 76. So it's a couple before Anima Mundi. Um, in terms of the order of the deck, that doesn't really matter. Um, huh. So I I saw this card and I was like, I know how this goes, you know, with everything else. Um, all right. So Kairos, I believe I just said this, it translates to mythic time. And so what it speaks to is, all right, we're all, uh, we're all aware of linear time, right? You know, I'm talking to you now. You'll listen to this in the future. And I was just, you know, going on about the animal like a couple of minutes ago in the past, you know, and then, you know, later I'm probably going to cook some breakfast. Um, And yesterday I ate dinner. All right. Linear time. You know, there's no real mystery about that. Kairos is quantum time, you know, and it's like time as a guide, which I think is it's a very, very interesting card. You know, it's it's our last card. 
but it's a very interesting card to have in this dynamic because I feel like the more comfortable you are with the idea of like that there is all right so I'm not about to go around here and say that like time is like completely an illusion you know that doesn't help anybody I remember hearing so much about that when I like kind of started out and I was like time is an illusion like what does that mean like what are these clocks you know and like does that mean that I don't have to show up here at a certain time like what does all that mean that is so unhelpful it's not even funny um so yes we have it's and that's what I love about this archetype is that it does honor that we do live you know in this linear timeline you know we're changing form we age you know you know, things are always changing, you know, all that good stuff, but also exists. It's kind of like, again, going back to what I was saying about the opposites, there is no linear time without quantum time, which is more of Kairos, you know? So again, they come in a sacred pair. They create one another. You're familiar with this now, right? The more, I feel like the more we get comfortable with our relationship with, you know, quantum time in particular, but how linear time and quantum time come together and coincide, the more that bridge, not the bridge, the wall, the more that wall of separation dissolves, the, the more comfortable that we get with this idea that you know, time is not exactly what we think it is. Hmm. Hmm, I like that. You know what it is? I know what this is. Okay. I was like, how, how, hmm. All right. Um, all right. So the most interesting, I remember I got this download a long, long time ago and it's like coming back. So clearly it's important. Um, it's about time and labels. Yeah, I remember you. So a long, 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 long time ago. Actually, what am I talking about? It was not that long ago. Um, all right. So I, rem I have this distinct memory of, you know, kind of. All right. Oh, you know what? This is actually a way better example. All right. Have any of you ever seen the show Degrassi? Okay. Uh, Degrassi is a, it's an older, it's like a long, long running Canadian show. Um, it was on Teen Nick in America. So if you are, I don't know, I feel like if you're at least 21, you've definitely seen that show. Um, or I watched Degrassi, The Next Generation. All right. If you haven't seen it, that's okay. All right. But just like, stay with me here. So TV shows are a portal into different timelines, you know? So the one thing I loved about Degrassi, and it goes really, really well with this example of labels. I have so many examples, but I think this is like the best one. Because Degrassi was not afraid, and this is like why that show was so brilliant, it was not afraid to tackle, you know, what people would call quote unquote hard topics, you know? Everything was a go on Degrassi and it wasn't it wasn't extreme. It wasn't like graphic. It wasn't like inappropriate or anything, because, again, this was like I watched this when I was like a kid, 
you know? So it wasn't like inappropriate, but it did help. The, the reason I love it so much is because it allowed people to really start to have like more difficult conversations. It didn't shy away from anything. It wasn't just like, oh, we can't talk about that. We can't put that on TV. You know, Degrassi was like just like the TV show of I really do not care. You know, we'll do whatever we want, you know, because it's important. You know, like all of these aspects are an important part of our culture. So Degrassi was not afraid to talk about sex, sexuality, um, or, you know, drugs or um, violence in some cases, you know, all those like taboo things that we're just like, we don't want to talk about. And it wasn't just like crazy, you know, all the time, like 24 seven, like there were so many beautiful moments in that show, but it, it ran like Degrassi, the next generation was like 15, 16, 17 seasons long. And then they created, you know, Degrassi, the next class. And, you know, that was a little bit, you know, a little bit too young for me. Um, By the time that came out on like Netflix or whatever. My point is, if you go all the way back to like season three of Degrassi, you know, they like that was like when, you know, um, coming out was like something that people just did not talk about. And, you know, if I think even before, like, like I said, there's Degrassi, the next generation, there's like shows before that, like Degrassi high. So Degrassi, the next generation is like the children of the people that went to Degrassi high or something like that. That show was like a little old for me. Um, But basically what I'm saying is, you know, I love Degrassi because it spans so many years And it kind of reveals, you know, what it is that was happening, you know, within just within history in terms of labels. So in seasons like one through three or like one through whatever of Degrassi, there was no like nobody was talking about gender fluidity. I remember when um, that was in like a much later season, like they did. um, Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So there were episodes before that, you know, they had transgender characters, which was awesome because they wouldn't do that on like American television. I guess, again, just Canadians, you know, Um, proud dual citizen of America and Canada. But yeah, they they would do that in Canada. They just (laughs) would not do that here. Um, But that, okay. All of this to say is, you know, Degrassi is like a log of, you know, when different labels came out and when we experimented with different labels. So um, they went all the way, you know, from like conversations about, you know, gay versus straight. And then, you know, later came in like bisexuality. And I remember when that was like huge, when one of the characters was bisexual and people were like, what does that mean? You know, it was like crazy at the time, you know? And then later in the show, yeah, more transgender. And then one was, and then I think it was even later. So I want to say within the past, like, five years or so, they had their first gender fluid character. Yeah. All right. All of that to say is that, you know, we have those, um, there's also one TV show that was really good that had their first intersex character. 
that was also great too, because it, again, it shed light on something that people just don't know anything about. You know, there's so much we don't know anything about. Um, my long aside on Degrassi is to say that um, about time and labels and, you know, potential, you know, there was, while there was like um, gender fluidity and sexual fluidity and like the whole spectrum that always existed, just not for like, just kind of like not for us in like linear labels and in linear timelines. So what I'm saying is, you know, there's always new labels, there's always new spectrums, there's always new ways of describing yourself coming out, you know, all the time. You know, I read a very interesting article years ago about a man who, you know, knew like, or yeah, I think it was someone who knew that they were bisexual, but didn't have the words, you know, to describe it yet. You know that, right? Or yeah, it's like new words, new language that's always coming out. And that's reflected really, really well in this show, you know, because they were very current. You know, Degrassi, Degrassi wasted no time. You know, when there was new words, new language, they always kept up to date. And so, yeah, if you looked at like uh, season one, you might be like, wait, that's not what that's called. But they did the best that they could, you know, with whatever, you know, information they were presenting at the time. And it's kind of it's the Eva Degrassi is like the great evolution of labels and language and the way that we can describe ourselves, present ourselves, express ourselves. That's why it's a great show. Pretty sure it's over, though, because I think they tried with Degrassi the next class and it just like was not the same, sadly. But we all need shows like Degrassi. Anyway, in terms of Kairos labels, time, Kairos is. I'm always learning about new dimensions of, you know, Kairos in terms of time. All of these potential labels. They all exist within the realm of like timelessness, mythic time, you know, time beyond the linear clock. They all exist. And maybe we don't have the words for them yet, but like a good example um, for me is, you know, when I was like, we all go through that, you know, when we're like teenagers and we're like, what am I? How do I label myself? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I do remember that when I was a teenager, you know, there was like gay, straight, and then there was like bisexuality. And that was like kind of it. Okay, there wasn't much. And then like sexually fluid, you know, being on a spectrum, like those conversations, I think being on a spectrum, that was like, that was out for years because there was like the Kinsey something. I don't even know. But it wasn't a real conversation when I was like, you know, in my teen years, my really, really early teens. Um, and then, you know, it became a larger conversation, which is so crazy to think about. But again, all of that is to say that, you know, for me, and that's why I said, you know, <laughs> um, that, you know, labels helped me in some departments and then labels like didn't help me at all, you know, in other departments, because, you know, I knew in my heart what, you know, certain things were, but the language didn't exist yet, you know? And so, you know, in terms of Kairos and, you know, labels, you know, everything already exists, you know, maybe not, maybe even brought them into our own personal linear timeline. But again, like Degrassi labels, they're all brilliant examples of how they already exist because people can feel connected to them without knowing how to put words to it yet. 
you know, like like I said about I don't I I saw a rant like randomly like some story somewhere um, about how like that man who was like amazed, you know, that like all of these conversations are happening. All of these conversations are present now, you know, but when he was a teenager, he just didn't have the words, but he knew, you know, so sometimes we can know things, you know, about ourselves before there's even a label for that you know, which I think is like very, very interesting. Um, But just keep that in mind, you know, in terms of labels, you know, remember that, you know, while we love our labels, you know, and like while labels can be empowering, labels are also like not, they all already exist, but they also, they come in and out of this linear timeline, you know, depending on like what's appropriate and what's not. So, you know, there are certain things that like we thought were totally appropriate to say to one another. We thought were totally appropriate to label one another as, you know, decades ago that are just not okay anymore, you know? So when like not, so again, this Kairos plus everything else is a reminder to realize that labels are changing, labels are shifting there will be, you know, labels we use now that are probably not going to be appropriate, you know, within the next couple of decades. And then there are going to be ones that, you know, pop out of the woodwork and we're like, where did that come from? You know? So again, being a little bit more free with how we describe ourselves really, really helps with the mirror and uh, in understanding the mirror and anima mundi and understanding that, like, again, these labels, they're stories you know, and stories change. Stories are fluid. These labels that we use are fluid. So we can get so attached. And again, like that's like really important to understand in this context, because like I said earlier, sometimes we, you know, latch on to certain labels and we think that, you know, it's really, really important. You know, this is a very, very important aspect of my identity. And this is what separates me from, and then we allow it, we allow it to separate, you know, us from everybody else. And that label might disappear. You know, again, within like the next year, next month, next couple of decades, it just might be gone, you know, and then there might be something new that takes its place. So I love that. I love that to wrap it up. You know, everything that I was saying earlier about, you know, creating your identity and Kairos, I feel like it's empowering and freeing as long as, you know, you can understand that it's fluid, you know, and being so rigid, being so fixed, being so attached could be pointless, you know, you know, as time goes on, just in terms of, you know, whatever you're talking about today, however it is that you express yourself today, you know, might not be relevant tomorrow. And you need to be willing to kind of just let that go and being available, you know, to that freedom and, you know, being available to, you know, being that fluid and, you know, that just like, Oh, you know what? I love that. So uh, that's a good example of, you know, allowing yourself to be, you know, that free, that fluid, you know, allows you to also take on other labels that, you know, like, let's say you were like looking at a person and I'll just use person because it's a little bit easier. Um, but this applies in all multidimensional settings. You know, let's say you're looking at a person, they identify one way as one thing and you're like, that could never be for me, you know? 
And then like, let's just say in 10 years, you know, you use the same label, you know? So that's like another way of understanding that, you know, as change, as things change through time and, you know, we choose how we describe ourselves, we choose, you know, how we connect, we choose how we express ourselves. Isn't that amazing how, you know, we would choose one way today and look at somebody else and be like, I'm just nothing like you. And then we are describing ourselves, you know, like they would and expressing ourselves, you know, in a similar way that they would, you know, maybe in a couple of months. And it's like, huh, we aren't actually that separate, you know, because like I said, beyond this linear clock, all of those possible ways, all of those potential ways of expressing ourselves already exist. You know, it's just how open are you, you know, to them? Not only that, how how open are you to all of those possibilities in terms of expressing your being? Because that's what this is, you know? That's what I believe this is. This is a beautiful opportunity, you know, for us to all express the love within us, you know, the soul of the world, anima mundi. That's what this, you know, place is. You know, it's a beautiful opportunity to express ourselves. And there are millions and infinite ways in which of doing so. And... Again, this is in the same vein of, you know, the storm and revolutioning, revolutionizing, you know, the way that we, you know, interact with labels, realizing that they are all just descriptions. They are all just stories and we can move, you know, we can move, we can dance between them. We can try some on, we can put some away. And at the end of the day, we all have the ability to do that. And that is what connects us. You know, we all have the ability to, you know, basically try on and try out you know, whatever descriptions, whatever stories that we have or whatever stories that we're open to, we all have all of them, but whatever stories that we're open to and I don't know, I just, oh, wow, that's so amazing, isn't it? You know, you could be, and again, this is all depending, it just depends on how open you are, you know, to changing and shifting. You know, if you're like, um, what's an easy example? You know, and something that's like not super heavy. Um, I love broccoli. I mean, that's true. I do love broccoli. Um, but if I were to say, you know, I love broccoli one day and then, um, you know, maybe it's just a, it's a permission thing. It's like giving yourself permission to just change, be fluid, do whatever you need to do. But if you were like, I love broccoli one day and then tomorrow you're like, I just can't stand it. That happened to me, you know. Uh, there was a time where I really, really loved chocolate. I loved chocolate as a kid. And then, you know, I think it was like one year I got like a triple chocolate birthday cake. After that, I was just like, chocolate is gross. Chocolate is disgusting. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done. You know? And then I just, I never had it. I didn't touch it for years. And now I'm like, you know what? The This white mango chocolate is, ugh, it's phenomenal. It just melts in your mouth. I love it. You know, that might confuse some people, but here's the thing. I don't really care, you know? So at one moment I was like, I love it. I'm eating this triple chocolate cake with my chocolate milk. It's the best thing ever. Then for years I was like, that is disgusting. How could I ever do that? Now I'm like, you know what? I don't really love dark chocolate that much, but this, again, this white mango chocolate, that's amazing, you know, to me. Okay. Light example, but that's like how things can change. And, you know, all of those possibilities All of them are available to you. And going back to the mirror, what's, again, even trippier, if you believe in this stuff, it's all actually already being reflected to you. So 
you right now with your ego and your mind, you're choosing, you're trying on a specific like third, you know, multidimensional expression. Using the mirror, you with the mar- archetypes of the mirror and Anima Mundi, everything that you see, everything that you interact with, everything that is unseen and everything that you're not currently interacting with, it's just trying something else on. It's trying on a different form. Okay? And you can change form if you want to. And again, that is understanding that you have the potential. So I'll wrap it up like that. Understanding that you have the potential to change form whenever it is that you want is what brings us closer together, you know, and understanding that there are certain labels that, you know, again, they're in our third dimensional reality. There are some, you know, within the realm of Kairos that haven't come into play yet. And then there are some that have been phased out. That fluidity, that freedom, that flexibility you know, knowing that you can try on whatever label, whatever third dimensional expression that you want. Understanding that you have that, understanding that it's something that you can try on and you can experiment with and you can release and you can let go and you can bring new ones in. That is what brings us closer together by realizing that we are not those labels. We try them on, you know, we are not those labels. They are lenses with which we can express ourselves. That's what brings us closer together, you know, as one soul, you know, one soul of this entire world is realizing that the person you're looking at, you know, next to you or the animal or, you know, that tree, they have a certain expression, they have a certain story, and that's you. Just, you know, and again, like that is where Kairos comes in too, because that's a lot, I think that's a lot more, that's more difficult to understand, you know, if you're like, well, Linear time is the only timeline that exists, so I can't be here and there. Yeah, that's what was trying to come through earlier, and I was just, like, going on and on and on about, you know, whatever. Um, But that's also important. So if you can understand that, you know, linear time and quantum time both exist together, you can under— because with linear time and only linear time, you can't be in two places at once. So that's why, you know, Kairos and Anima Mundi— And the mirror, you know, those three, you need, it's kind of like you kind of need all three, you know, within the context of this aura reading. Because if you believe that there's only linear time and you can't be in two places at once, then how can everybody be your mirror? Okay. Or how could you see yourself in another person? If you can, if you, if the, and you know, that's also another point. That's another thing. Again, with uh, going back to the empty room a little bit, this is an important, this is just an invitation to, you know, again, get, get quiet, be alone and ponder, you know, how do I, what do I really identify myself with? What do I align myself with? How would I actually describe myself? I think that's, you know, an important part of the empty room is really considering, you know, just for like two seconds, like, what am I? You know, I know that's like a big question, but I think getting clear on that makes everything else, you know, helps everything else fall into place. Because if you're like, I'm human, I am, you know, in my case, you know, 10 years ago, I am human. Uh, My name is Catherine and um, I play golf and I play, you know, not so much anymore. Um, I play like, what was I gonna say? I run track, like whatever. 
um, whatever it is, if you're so fixed on those and you're like, that's my identity, that makes everything else a lot harder. Because also, ooh, yes, uh, uh let me point this out for a second. You know, if I stuck with that, if I'm like, I am Catherine and I row, then every, and that's who I am, then everything that is not Catherine and that is not rowing, that's not me, you know? So shifting your identity to Anima Mundi allows you that flexibility. So if I'm no longer like I'm Catherine and I row and I'm more along the lines of, no, I am just pure love. If that is how I actually identify. That's everywhere. You know, and again, that's where Kairos comes in because, you know, again, Catherine and rowing, I don't even row anymore. So I don't know why I'm like using that as an example, but whatever. Um, it's just an example. But yeah, Catherine and rowing, that's like a third dimensional, you know, expression that belongs on a third dimensional timeline. Understanding, you know, the love within you and the source within you, that's the quantum timeline. That's Kairos. That's what allows you to be, you know, in this body that you are using to like listen to this and also allows you to be in that tree and in, you know, your neighbor and in your family, you know? So, huh, maybe like Kairos is like, you know, this, that's like a very important crux of all of this is, you know, huh, maybe should have started with this card. Uh, it all comes back full circle anyway. Um, Kairos is like kind of also at the crux of this reading in understanding that, you know, if you believe in only linear time, then chances are you have a very linear third dimensional identity. If you believe in only quantum time, then yeah, you have like a quantum identity that's like anima mundi. That's the soul of the world. You need both, you know, because again, like if you only identify, if you're only like kind of moving on this quantum timeline and you're like, I am, you know, source energy and that's it, uh, that doesn't really help you in terms of learning from all of your other, like if combined together, that's like the most powerful experience there is, you know, one of them probably going to say that a lot, but that's like a very, very powerful experience to understand, you know, you, yes, you are God, you are source, you are spirit, you are love, etc. on within one, you know, explanation of time. And then within the linear explanation of time, like, yes, I'm Catherine, I'm Jamaican American, you know, all that good stuff. And then, you know, bringing them together to, with the mirror, and that's, you know, again, where the mirror is important, bringing them together with the mirror to see like, oh, um, I look at my friend, you know, she's in a different body, you know, and like, that's not necessarily, even though I'm Catherine in this lifetime, in this timeline, time, lifetime, timeline, lifetime, same thing, you know, I'm Catherine in this timeline, you know, and she's, you know, insert whatever name there, you know, in this timeline, but how interesting is it that I get to interact with myself? You know, it's, it's bringing both of those timelines together, you know, in that present moment. You know, you, again, through the mirror, interacting with yourself, you know, learning from yourself and learning about how you can bring more, you know, love to the world through yourself, you know, through that other third dimensional form. You know, like I said earlier, you know, beyond you know, this linear timeline, there is that realm of infinite ways of expressing yourself. And so again, a baby step to 
towards that is understanding, you know, back to, you know, all that craziness about like Degrassi and whatnot. If you can even begin with the understanding that, you know, you can shift your expression right here, right now by just changing labels and labels are changing all the time. That makes this leap a little bit easier in under like within linearity. You know, you can change labels. You can label it like you can love broccoli today and then hate it tomorrow and then love it again, you know, in a year from now. Giving yourself that fluidity in this linear timeline will promote more fluidity within the quantum timeline and understanding, okay, if I can love broccoli today and hate it tomorrow and then love it again in five years, you know, and all of that is perfectly, you know, capable and perfectly fluid, understanding that, you know, you can exist in this body and in another body and everywhere else, you know, even in beings that don't have bodies, they just, it's, those understandings really, really support one another. It's, it's just fluidity and expression, you know, fluidity in identity. And that is where I will leave you because I feel like me over explaining it. Yeah. I don't know if that really helps, but, um, yeah, that's what I, I really like that. You know, there's so much there in it. There's like so much more, you know, to unpack there. But again, all of that is just important in understanding, you know, every aspect, you know, of this universe, of this world, of creation in general. That is you. And again, the third dimensional example is just so you can understand the quantum example, you know, the more you can understand that labels and expression are fluid, that, <laughs> all right, yeah, um, that's where I'm with. More that you can understand that labels, expression, all of that is fluid, even within this linearity, you know, with the broccoli, the more you can understand how, you know, within your heart, not necessarily your mind, that entire, you know, because the broccoli is just like one label. And then when you move to the quantum timeline, that's like, a lot of multidimensional labels. So the more you can understand, you know, fluidity within like linearity, the more you can understand, you know, that fluidity and like fluidity and identity and expression, you know, in a quantum way, you know, so they do mirror each other, which is like funny, but like not really, of course, that's what happened. Um, but that's like a, if I'm like looking at the cards right now and it's, uh, it's literally like the mirror is like, it time is a mirror, you know, that's, yeah. I keep saying that's like the last thing I'll say. Um, but in this case, you know, those timelines, you know, reflect one another. So it's like, however you, you know what it is too. That's important. However it is basically that you interact with, you know, expression and identity in linearity is how you interact with it in like in a quantum way and vice versa. So if you're really, really fluid you know, with identity and like whatever, you know, an expression in linearity, I'm sure you're going to have no pro like you're gonna have no problems, you know, you know, picking up these concepts that, you know, you are within everyone, you as love is within everyone. But if you're super fixed and again, you're like, uh, my name is Catherine and I love rowing and that's it. Um, the rest of it's not going to make any sense. So it's a mirror. You know, how you interact in one timeline is how you interact in another. 
So if you're like going back the other way, if you're like, there is no quantum time that doesn't even exist, you're probably, you know, that reflects in, you know, you're probably like a very fixed person, you know, so that's just like going the other way, but you get the point. So, all right, that's it for today. Um, That was very interesting. It's always very interesting to see what comes through. Um, but to end, we're going to do the same thing we did in the beginning. We're just basically going to say thank you, you know? So, because it's always important to say thank you. All right, let's take a couple of deep breaths. Thank you to all of the guides, guardians, spirits, angels, you know, allies, whatever it is that we invited in at the beginning. Thank you so much, you know, for guiding us today and for showing us your love. And, you know, may you may we be so open to, you know, show love to you and to show love, you know, within our universal family. Um, we will continue to be open to your guidance and your wisdom. And we just thank you for everything that you've done for us today and everything that you continue to do for us. And may you show us how we can, you know, show that love in return. Thank you so much. All right. So that is definitely the end. You know, whenever I'm like, okay, three deep breaths, that's like the true end of, you know, what's like going on um, of this episode. But thank you so much, you know, for sharing this space with me. I really enjoyed, you know, taking a look at all these cards for you. I mean, (laughs) with you. Um, Honestly, I'm learning so much, you know, whenever I do, whenever I read, you know, the current aura, because like I said earlier, you know, different cards bring out different dimensions of different cards. So I've never looked at Kairos in this way. I haven't really looked, you know, at the mirror, you know, in terms of, you know, mirroring timelines in this way, you know, or the animal, you know, so it's, it's all very different every single time, you know, the, what's so interesting about, you know, this practice is that, you know, my mind is learning at the same time that like the channeling is coming through. So whenever I'm like, hmm, hmm, that's so interesting. I'm like, I'm genuinely like, that's so interesting because it's just like being downloaded into me, being channeled into me. And then my mind is just kind of catching up, you know, so I never know what I'm going to say. I never know what's going to come through. You know, I'm just always just being open, present, aware. And I always, I always learn. So I, I enjoy doing this. If you enjoyed it, you know, rate, review, subscribe. That's like, I've said it before. That's like the holy grail. And, you know, in like this, like podcasting world as I'm learning, um, it also gives me more feedback, you know? So um, I would really appreciate that. And I will talk to you soon. 